Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Welcome to episode 80 of Wolf's Cast. The show jet just spent 40 minutes getting the sound settings hooked up because Neil's gone. Thanks a lot, Neil. Just it's, right. It's hosted by myself and my good friend. I'm Scott. I'm Rob. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome back to the Wolves Cast Studio, Robert. It's great to be back, relocated, uh, but the studio remains uh, beautiful with a lot of the same kind of accoutrements that uh, really make it a great place to record a Wolves podcast. It's a little bit of a more open room, so we're trying to still figure out some of the audio levels. we got some blankets hanging over windows and doors right now. Yep. Trying to give you, you know, we don't give the best analysis or really even the most entertaining talk about the Timberwolves, but we do have the best audio quality I try to maintain, you know. You so, gotta excel at something, right? That's right. We try to be a pleasure to listen to. Um, this is something we don't usually do on the podcast, but some podcasts do. You hear the sound right there. Sound of refreshment. I forgot to open my refreshment before we started. That's, you know. Good job incorporating it into the opening uh, the opening monologue. Yeah, I, I run a much looser ship than Neil does, and you'll find that out here, uh, listeners. You remember our One good of friend the Robert. ships. Yes, that's yeah. right. Uh, the loosest, the most loose. Um, Ro- you remember Robert from the beginning of the season. Neil was on tour with his band Cuckoo Kangaroo back then. So for the first several weeks of the season, I had the pleasure of Robert co-hosting. He's co-hosted in the past and previous seasons. And of course, he brings us our favorite summer game of uh, Timberwolves Jeopardy every year. So Already planning. A pleasure to have you back uh, on the show, Robert. Thank you for filling in for Neil. Thank you for having me. It's always an honor and a pleasure. We know we have a big listenership over the pond, is what we call it when you're in England. It's over the pond. So if you are in England and listening, go see the Cuckoo Kangaroo. They are touring with MC Lars right now. And if you like hearing Neil's voice on the podcast, you might like hearing it in rap songs that could be enjoyed by all ages. Check There's out some CuckooKangaroo.com. There, all the music's free, so why don't you guys <laughs> check it out. All right. Uh, we had a week of basketball. We're in the playoffs, baby. Wow. Yeah. A week of basketball. It... Uh it's been a, a beautiful thing to, regardless of how the games have turned out, which we'll get into, obviously. Yeah. Just to have the atmosphere, to have the, uh, to be a part of it, you know, a part of like, I was doing things like TNT's graphics and stuff, like the playoffs, 2018 graphics. They'd be like Jimmy Butler or Cat or whatever, and it'd be like, oh, wow, yeah. they're, they're a part of this. You Representation know? And matters. And it's not I feel the, the same uh, way. And it's not the same, uh, like, you'd see the same graphics for, like, the draft lottery. And the mm-hmm. Wolves would always be in those graphics. Right, exactly. But to be in the playoff graphics. I was always uh, jealous beautiful. during the lean years, and of which there have been many. I was always jealous how sometimes ESPN would have these cool 3D graphics, but since the Wolves never had any ESPN <laughs> games, it would be like, we yeah. never got to see our logo never. get digitized like that. So it is cool. It's cool to see, uh, you know, all the websites that are usually more focused on the good teams in the league start writing about the Timberwolves. Even they've been writing some pretty lousy stuff about us. I mean, deservedly so, but they've been dumping on us pretty bad. But it is fun to see it in the national media spotlight. Um, You know, we haven't watched Timberwolves playoff basketball for a very long time. I think that's been covered many times by many places. That's been a long time. But I like the uh, game planning for games where it's like, when you finish a game with the Rockets, then you analyze it and you're like, well, we're going to play them again in a couple days. And so it allows you to game plan more than you normally would for, uh, you know, just a random regular season game. It's a different kind of different kind of preparation. It's a different uh, whole different sort of feeling that we're not accustomed to. 
and apparently the players aren't either. Uh, or at least most of them. Right. Or at least the big ones. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's a good place to start with game one. Yeah, let's talk about game one to kick it off. This was on uh, Sunday night? Sunday night. Sunday night. It was a 101-104 to 104 loss. Robert, how did you watch this game? I watched this game in the uh, comfortable confines of my suburban home uh, with my roommates and with uh, former uh, Timberwolves um Timberwolves personnel, Alex Conover. Oh, sure. Um, he was like the web editor or something like that. Yeah. we uh, Listeners know Akon. You guys yeah, know Akon, Akon right? I know Akon. I, um, I would say give him a job. The, the, they hired him back at the school. There were some budget cuts yeah, that got God reversed. Bless him. God so, bless him. Thank goodness. But if you have a cool job, you can still shoot it to Akon. Um, so <laughs> but, you, and do you have like a name for your place in Egan? No, we haven't like christened it or anything. It seems, I mean, it's in a townhouse. Yeah. Um, it's, it doesn't really... It doesn't have the same sort of character like if you were, you know, out in the city or something and you had a you had kind of a special, unique place. Sure. I mean, I might call it like the side door shanty because you have to enter through the side door mm. or something like that. Uh, we might have to do side that. Side door saloon. <laughs> Any kind of location place that begins with that. A S. saloon has to have the twin, the oh, flapping yep, doors. Regardless. Absolutely. You can install those. Um, we watched... Uh, we watched... Um, we watched all the, the the previous game too, which I'm trying to remember which the one. Cavs, that was. maybe uh, the Cavs game, maybe it was. Um, but we were we were really focused on the the Timberwolves, as we did when I watched the play-in game, game 82 against oh, sure. uh, Denver. We took a ceremonial good luck shot of cheap whiskey, mm-hmm. um, and it seemed to have some powerful effects on the wolves play at least early on did you do it before game two uh i watched game two by myself it so no very, no but shot the, of whiskey beforehand thank goodness i watched it by myself because it was um i did take a i did do it myself too because i felt like hey you know what they came close in game one maybe maybe we got something going yeah um I do not believe I'll take a shot before game three. Yeah, you're right. I'm uh, all about superstition, but once it stops working, you got to... I see a pattern emerging. You got to disconnect. But watching it was... It was a fantastic game, really. It was back and forth. Um, I was surprised by how uh, the Wolves defense actually did a pretty good job of giving them tougher looks. Um, But... There was a sense of inevitability once Harden started to get going in the second half. Yeah, um, it really didn't seem like we can contain him. Yeah, and one thing that's bothered me, uh, this year to me has been a kind of a dichotomy of a year. All the, they won a bunch. They had the biggest increase of wins in uh, the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you still have this kind of empty feeling. You know, that they didn't really improve that much or they left a lot on the table. And part of it is like the body language to me. And that game, that game one, when things started to go bad, and especially when Harden started doing some things in the first, in the fourth quarter, um, just the body language of the players that you really want to be, you know, leading things just seemed to be pretty negative. Is this players um, on the Wolves, you're saying? On the Wolves, that's, yeah. And, that's just something that, uh, in, in game two, same sort of thing, except it was, you know, in the set, in that second quarter that was disastrous. But watching it was so much fun. But at the same time, they, the Wolves did have a lot of missed opportunities. They weren't shooting well. Um, they had some turnovers down the stretch that, you know, you thought like, hey, they don't, if they're going to win this game against the best team in the NBA, they need to take advantage of these things. And when they didn't, 
there was a sense of like, you know what, Houston is going to do what they need to do to win in that game one. And yeah, they that, did. That whole game, I was like, I can't believe it's this close. I can't believe they're shooting so poorly from three. The entire time I felt like we were just like, I was waiting for that big Rockets run. I was waiting for mm-hmm. like a 10-0 run, like a 15-2 run or something like that to happen. And it never really happened. We stayed close the entire game. And so um, I, I was ready for the other shoe to drop the entire time. And it never really did. Um so that was that was a very fun game to watch. How did you feel after the game? Did you? Because I, I after the game, I'll, I'll say for myself, I felt very encouraged by the game. I said, "Wow, I can't believe!" I thought that this is a team that would blow us out, you know, potentially, especially at home, game one. I really, and if you told me the struggles that Towns and stuff were going to have, I'd be like, "This mm-hmm. is a thirty-point victory for the Rockets easily." And uh, so I thought that was a real victory in my eyes that we kept it close. But then I saw everyone else's reaction seemed to be, "We let that one get away. What a wasted." opportunity i thought what are you talking about we just held our own in game one you know yeah i was encouraged as well especially i mean you have to be you want to be somewhat realistic as a wolves fan coming into this and what your expectations are going to be for the wolves who just snuck into the playoffs um and, and there's an argument that like the nba you know there was like two wins that separated third place from like ninth place in the west so it's like Pelicans are up 2-0 on Portland right now, but yep. it doesn't feel like a shocker because the Pelicans are only like one game worse on the regular season than the, than Portland. But that's what stinks about being this 1-8 matchup is that we're going Such against a, a team that difference. won 65 games. Uh, the 8 seed has only beat the 1 seed one time in basketball history. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of historic stuff going against us that the odds wouldn't be as bad if we were matched up against 3 through you know 8. Yeah, and that's uh, hopefully that'll be a lesson learned when you think about Think back on all those, like the two losses to Phoenix and the, uh, the loss to, to Orlando, Memphis two losses to Memphis, lost yeah, to Orlando, lost to the Memphis. Hawks, all those lost different to the ones. Nets. That, yeah, hopefully that those will resonate with uh, the core guys next year. Yeah, and they will realize how valuable even like early season games against Eastern Conference opponents, you know, would be like when we lost to the Pistons. You yeah, know? especially in the West. I mean, hopefully this year is kind of a wake up call. That once these playoffs are over. For the Wolves, hopefully it's a wake-up call as to how important, you know, racking up those easy wins in the regular season is once you get down to, once you get down to the nitty-gritty down the stretch, you need all those wins. And yeah, and the I, fact that I, they I agree. had to sneak That's... in to play the Rockets uh, is... Hopefully that fact isn't lost on them. I, I couldn't agree more. I really hope that this is what, you know, because it's one thing to be told something when you're a, a young guy like Cat or Wiggins, but then it's another thing to go through it yourself. And so they have to be put through that fire. And so hopefully we take some stuff away from it. Um, game two, I also watched it alone. I watched both of these games recorded because I don't have a great way of watching live. My streaming isn't very good. Um, so if I record it, then it's a better picture quality for me. Um, so both games I watched after the fact, no spoilers. <laughs> Thankfully, no one spoiled anything for me. I got good friends who know not to text me, uh, you know, about the game. Who would want to text you about game oh, two? That's no? the truth, except a warning. Uh, you know, yeah. don't watch it. <laughs> um, but I turned on game two and the recording messed up. The first, like, it started with two minutes left in the first half. In the first half. Yeah. Okay. And, and like, there's a chance I could find a different one that replays at midnight or something. And there was, I was like, man, I got to find in this first half. But then after watching the second half, I'm like, you know what? I don't need to go back and watch the first half. That's too bad. You missed out on uh, the first quarter was, I thought some of the best defense the Wolves had played all year was in that first quarter against the Rockets of game two. 
they were active and the way that Towns was squaring up and going vertical and, you know, the Jimmy Buckets was doing a good job of containing Harden early on. He, all Harden was pretty awful in game game two, yeah. really. Um, yeah. This is the exact opposite of game one. Yeah. Everyone makes it so good. dispiriting, yeah. you know? It's, you know, pick your poison, I guess. It's like we, we shifted our strategy too much. In the first game, I was like, mm-hmm. just make Harden kill us. If he kills us and goes for 40, then that's what we'll deal with, but shut down everyone else. And then that happened. They're like, okay, this time we're really going to focus on Harden, you yeah. know? But I don't know if that, that actually plays out in terms of what we saw. It could just be a cold night for Harden. It was a it was a beautiful first. I mean, it was an ugly first quarter because it was like at the end of one, it was like twenty one to eighteen or something. But that's how like we that. got to win these games, you know. We're not gonna we're not gonna win in a fire a shootout with them, you know. Yeah, exactly. You get you can't expect to you know just run with them and blow them off the court. You're gonna have to you know bog them down a little bit, and that's what happened in the first quarter. The Wolves didn't take advantage of a lot of turnover opportunities. Uh, they turned the ball over themselves. Um, they missed some free throws too, which. Early on in the game, I feel like those are so killer. Yeah. Um, when you have a, a little bit of a lead, and they were up as much as like nine or something mm. in that first quarter. And then if you, I think Cat went like 0 of 2 from the free throw line or something at some point when the Rockets were making that run to Ugh. get it to within three Cat, at the end on. of the quarter. And it it's just such a killer when you're the underdog, you're the team that has been in the playoffs for, you know, 15 years or whatever it is. And you're missing free throws against a with a lead you know mm-hmm. and you want to keep that momentum and you want to keep the you know the foot on their throat and that just didn't happen that first quarter and then that opens the floodgates for a guy like Chris Paul and Gerald Green of all people which is ugh. he having him kill us um, is a special kind of hurt yeah and um, the former wolves are killing you yeah in the playoffs, he, like, it's gosh. not the first time either he did it uh, i think with phoenix he hit like a game winner or something. Oh, and, yeah, you're right. I remember uh, that. Yeah, he's played really well against us. The guys who were floundered as Timberwolves who then come back and beat you. Like Derek Williams did that a couple times with like the Kings. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yep. Yep. They, they play big against their former teams. Yeah, just like that's how right. Wiggins always plays good against the Cavs, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just having the missing those little micro opportunities, you know, at the beginning of games. Um, it lets a little air out of your self-esteem balloon. It really does. And with a team like the Wolves, who it seems like they are so susceptible to getting kind of uh, bogged down a little bit, and they, they're they susceptible to like these runs and stuff. Uh, do you remember like last year, the Wolves had, in, double, they, in games that they had double-digit wins, they were like... Double-digit lead, yeah. Double-digit leads, excuse me, they, they were... Like only a few games above five hundred or something like that. I mean, this year we had the most there's losses. Still remnants of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, there's still remnants, but you're right. Uh, it's definitely we're not a very mentally tough team, especially yet. when you don't have Jimmy Butler. I mean, obviously he's banged up and yeah, he's playing, diminished. He's he not doesn't really he, playing at he, his full capacity. He's got a wrist injury, shoulder injury. His yep. knees don't seem fully healthy. He, sometimes he jumps up. Still getting his win back. Sometimes I've seen him like jump to go to the rim, and in times when he would finish through the contact, he just takes the contact and falls down now, and he can't mm-hmm. get up as high. So I do think that his physical, he's definitely not close to 100% yeah. back yet. So that's a, that's a tragedy. <laughs> the one thing that's been dispiriting about these two games is that if the Wolves are to go down, even in a sweep, you want to see your top guys... At, rise to the occasion or at least bring the sort of energy and fire um, that you would think they'd want to their first playoff games. And 
for Carl to look the way that he's looked these first two games and to be basically just taken out of the game of uh, game two in particular, um, it does leave a bad taste in your mouth. Like game one, like having Derrick Rose be the guy who is, yeah. you know, providing like the spark, that's not what you want to see. Especially you know, because this is something we of joke. all the guys that if, if you had to choose the guy to you know have, have give you a spark, you'd want it to be like you know Wiggins or Tyus or yeah. We used or, to joke around about what Russell Westbrook. Like, if he makes it a three pointer, it's a good thing for your team because he's going to shoot three really bad ones after that mm-hmm. and miss them all. You know, and it's kind of like that with Rose. If he has a good game one, that means he's going to take way too many shots for the rest of the series. You know, he, he gets all his confidence, and then in game two, he was taking absolutely terrible shots, and they weren't yep. going in. Um, but I guess that, that brings us to full court press. Here's the tip. First topic of full court press, uh, offensive, excuse me, defensive, excuse me, just all around struggles of Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler. They are our all-stars. They were great during the normal season. They carried us to the victory, and they have been terrible in these first two games. We've talked a little bit about some confidence and some injury stuff with Towns, but um, what's it, what do we got to do to get these guys engaged? I I think the the book is out on Towns a little bit on how to how to you know contain him or at least sort of get into his head a little bit. You've seen the the big physical centers like we saw Marcus Gasol uh, do it to him. We've seen Stephen Adams do it to him. Uh, now we're seeing Clint Capella do it to him. And I mean, then they have Nene coming off the bench too, uh, which isn't exactly a He's reprieve. A yeah, so. That seems to be the way that they've that the Rockets have determined. Like we're gonna just play super physical with him. We're not gonna let him catch easy. We're gonna body up on him. And Capella is a great defender. And to go to just to I don't know if Carl at this point. I don't know if you can just throw it down to him against the premier defender and just expect him to make make great decisions. And in a playoff series, especially when he st- if he doesn't start off well, like he. Uh, really hasn't in these uh, first two games. He's been pretty much out of it by the second half. Uh, I think that's my biggest problem with Carl is that he seems scared of the, the situation in ways that we haven't really seen him in regular season games where, I mean, sometimes you see it when there's a big guy who's giving him trouble like you just mentioned. But uh, I think in game two, too, or both games, it, it seems like he got blocked by Capella pretty early on down in the paint. seems like he and, tries to do a little bit too much at the beginning and then and well, establish himself, and it doesn't work out. Then, then he stops going down the other there, direction. Yeah. And this is what I was saying. Like, even if Capella's going to block you three or four times down there, you still got to take those shots because Cat's yeah. too good in the post, especially if they're not sending doubles. Like, he's got to just trust himself to keep putting up shots. Who cares if Capella... Capella embarrasses you a few times. You need to keep taking those shots because we need that kind of, you know, that's one of his hot spots. And there's no one else on the team who is as efficient in the post as he is. But one thing I'll say about Cat's touches, though, that I noticed that he's getting the ball with like six, seven seconds left on the clock. Well, that's been a problem times. all season. Teague really likes they to let the air out of the ball. have a hard time reversing the ball over to him that by the time he gets it, he he's forced to make a lot of a lot of these shots are tough shots because he has to shoot it or otherwise it's going to be, he can't pass it out or it's going to be a turnover. So they haven't done a great job of setting him up. Really. He got, he's got nothing in transition, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, that's not exactly the way you want to play Houston, but at the same time, if, you, if you're cat and you're struggling and you could go out and get an easy basket just to get yourself going or you know get to the line or something, or at least have a mismatch opportunity 
I think you gotta, you know, behoove yourself that if you can. Yeah, we're gonna um, out, we're gonna outrun by the Rockets. Easily. Yeah, and when the Rockets, and some you know, of it haven't is, shot super well, and there are those opportunities to yeah. get out a little bit more. That's usually when we don't have a transition game is when we're letting the opponent make all their shots because you can't you can't run after a make. You know, you mm-hmm. you run after misses. But you got to rebound. That's been the other thing that Houston has killed us on is those threes, long rebounds. Um, yeah, they haven't shot well, but. It's almost as it's it's more painful when there's a missed shot, and then offensive get rebound, get it back, and then you know a Gerald Green three or something. It's it, it's worth more than that three points in reality in terms of the momentum of the game and yeah. how it impacts uh, some of those younger guy, younger Wolves players, and how it impacts Houston. Houston, it does seem like when they and this seems to come from Harden and D'Antoni. Really, they do seem to play with a lot. They have a lot of fun. You know, it's a it's a freewheeling atmosphere, which I think, in contrast to the Wolves, where even when they win, it does seem to be a little bit like, I think the term that they said on Canis was uh, like joyless basketball. Yeah, that's which a good way to describe is the other it. thing that's sort of been dispiriting about these two games is it's been, it doesn't seem like the guys are super, you know, like they're enjoying themselves. Right, like, like you see Jimmy, and he looks banged up. He doesn't look like he has that same fire that you you know come to expect from a guy like him. Cat looks you know, timid, demoralized. Wiggins is Wiggins has played well. I'll give him that, but you know he's he's not really expected to bring you like the fire and the intensity either. And to see it, it's Teague, his body language, especially in game two, was just man. Uh, D Rose. Especially, I remember Some of the worst body language in the league is. Defense. I remember, oh, yeah, definitely. And the way he flips out at refs is crazy. <laughs> he should have gotten a technical. It comes one. from the top, though. That's one thing that's bothered me about Tibbs is he in situations like this. You know, you want you want your teams to be like play for you and play hard for you at these these most critical moments in the playoffs, and it doesn't seem like they are super into doing that. Uh, for Tibbs, uh, at least at this stage, based based on what we've seen, at least in these first two games, yeah, uh, intensity a, hasn't really hasn't been there consistently. That's a great segue into our next topic. He's hitting up. What the hell is Tibbs thinking? This is a title from a Deadspin post that was posted uh, today. <laughs> Seriously, what the hell are the Minnesota Timberwolves doing? Is the name of the post, and, it, and in that it, it talked about Jimmy and Town struggles. It says uh, through two games in the series, Towns has scored 13 points on 18 shot attempts. He's shooting 28 percent from the floor. Through two games, Jimmy has scored 24 points on 17 shot attempts, shooting 41 percent from the floor. So that underscores them. But a lot of it is Tom Thibodeau's decision making. Um, I listened to the Zach Lowe podcast earlier this week and they were talking about how the inside the NBA guys that were obviously really hammering the Timberwolves for not exploiting the mismatches the Rockets switch everything so it's very easy to get the big on the point guard you'll have Capella come out and guard Teague and then Towns instead of even trying to post up Harden or try to post up Chris Paul he immediately runs to the corner and that's uh, so Zach Lowe was saying this is clearly a coach intention, intentionally designed play is that's how they want to attack this. They want Cat to take the little guy out to the corner because Cat's one of our best shooters. So it spaces the floor. So that way Jeff Teague can take these big guys off the dribble. And it seems like in obviously the inside the NBA guys were like, why don't you have Towns take Chris Paul instead of having Jeff Teague take Capella over and over again? So some of this is coaching decisions by Tibbs, but it's also the other thing, like you were saying too, it comes from the top and uh, it just seems like Tibbs is being outcoached in this series. He's being handily outcoached by D'Antoni. 
Yeah, and he, or at least D'Antoni is saying, D'Antoni's saying, like, you can't beat, you can't, it, we're going to do what we do, and you can't beat us. Um, you, you have nothing that can challenge us, so we're just going to keep doing what we do. And Tibbs, I, I don't get his sort of fascination with uh, all of a sudden this super small three-guard lineup that he has trotted out with Crawford, sometimes Teague, but mostly it's been Tyus and then uh, D-Rose. It's not like we're getting good spacing out of those lineups no. or anything. Usually you go small to have a bunch of good three-point shooters on the floor and create a bunch of space. No, and you don't have guys that – none of those guys are like strong finishers. Um I mean, Crawford's a good shooter, but he can also shoot you out of games. Yep, and uh, game two, once again, Crawford gets a little bit of success in game one. He comes back in game two and just lays an egg. Yep. I I was thinking a little bit in game one because the guys who were performing well in game one were like Jamal and Derek and some of the vets. I was like, yeah, these guys who have been here before are doing... Even Teague was better in game one than he was in game two. I was like, maybe Thibodeau was right that playoff experience is something you need. And then in game two, all of, all of these vets, these so-called vets, you know, just laid eggs. They're the ones that look rattled. And Teague, I thought, just... I thought he had... Other than his game earlier on in the year against, like, Atlanta or whatever that it was, was still, where he had... The worst like, game of his life. One a historically bad yeah. game. Uh, I thought he was just completely outclassed by Chris Paul. Um, well, it's easy he, to get outclassed by Chris Paul, but still, yeah, you but know, you, you got to be... The idea that you brought him in for his, like, playoff savvy yeah. and his, you know, his veteran savvy, and then he gets just... He didn't... He, he was a negative to the game. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's he like, didn't really provide any leadership. As I mean, when they when they sorely needed it in that second quarter, he did not really provide anything to either inspire himself or anybody else. Right. It wasn't what like you, you showing this playoff here. experience leadership or anything like that. It's interesting. D-Rose um, isn't going to do that. I remember earlier in the season, Neil and I were talking about the Jeff Teague signing, and we said, well... It's a lot of money for Jeff Teague, um, but at least we didn't sign Drew Holiday for that crazy money the Pelicans did. And Drew Holiday's been great. He's Drew been Holiday he's been has, the best player on the Pelicans in the playoffs so far. You know, he's been he might he's one of the top two or three guys in the playoffs so far. Yeah, and so it was funny to me when I was driving out. I was driving out here for the pod. I was just like, man, remember when we were trashing Drew Holiday? Get it? And it is a bad <laughs> deal. It's five years, one hundred twenty-five million. It's a lot of money for Drew Holiday, but it just seems like. You know, every team in the West in the playoffs seems to have a better point guard situation than us, except maybe San Antonio, but, you know, right. they make it work. Yeah, and I I don't know if it if it gets better either. That's the other thing is it's – I don't know if Teague is all of a sudden going to, you know, turn a corner and all of a sudden click with – with uh, excuse me, with Tibbs' system or if he's – he hasn't really seemed to have chemistry with anybody on the team. Yeah, he, um, he's uh, very clearly ignores Bielitsa. He goes to Gorgie a lot, and when Bielitsa is wide open, he just won't pass it to Bielitsa for some weird, weird reason. Yeah, that, I, I don't really know where you go with him, um, especially the whole thing with bringing with sending off Ricky and bringing in Teague was uh, the the story Tibbs told was that he had to coach against him in a playoff series, and it was just so tough to coach against him in a game plan for him. This is the Doc Rivers fallacy, where Doc Rivers is always like, well, he played well against the Celtics. I'm going to sign him for the Clippers. And that's how like <laughs> it seemed like anyone who had one good game against Doc Rivers Celtics got like a deal to be on the Clippers. He's like, Josh Smith is going to be great on the Clippers or whatever, you know. It's not saying it's not as if he had a bad season. I just don't really think he gave the Wolves necessarily what they needed 
um, when they needed it. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see. It's year one. Um, it's year one. We'll see. Oh, not, not willing to call him like uh, he's not. Uh, he's not like the biggest problem. For no, the Wolves, no, at that's least great in my point. mind. Yeah. So, but he's not. He's not affecting the game positively. Even if he's not the one who's affecting the game negatively the most, he's not shifting that needle positively for us. Whereas Ricky Rubio, first playoff win of his career. Congratulations, Ricky. Played great. What did he go? Five of seven from three? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, uh, he, Big three down the stretch. He missed a lot of his other field goals, but yeah, he had a great three-point shooting night, and what a defender Aren't that you Ricky just so Rubio is. I'm happy Aren't you for just him. so envious of the Jazz? <laughs> no. Come on, a little yes. bit. I love this Jazz team. I think they play. They have great chemistry, and they. Is, ha- aren't but, you envious of a team that is greater than just like the sum of its yes, parts? Yes, yes. The Wolves have not been greater than the sum of their parts ever. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think ever in their history have they been greater than the sum of their parts. So as as much fun as those teams are, and that's why I love cheering for the Jazz. Is they're scrappy. Indiana is probably the same way. Yes, but if you ask me, Toronto, which franchise is best set up to succeed for the next five years? The Wolves are in a better position than both Utah and Indiana and Toronto. You know, so I think like mm-hmm. we're we're still in a good spot uh, in terms of our franchise outlook for the future. But uh, yeah, it's hard to I not think cheer these for these. Jazz teams. I think these next couple games are going to be very important in establishing. I mean, even if you lose, even if you get swept, how you play games three and four are going to be very. And you know, who knows? Five, six. It doesn't seem like it, but well, that brings how, us to point yeah, three. Yeah. Um, but before we go into point three, I just wanted to read the usage rate of players in game two. I know it's a bit skewed because Tibbs played his bench a whole lot, which is crazy because Tibbs could never be bothered to play his bench at all in the regular season. Then we get to playoffs. And he's like, yeah, sit the whole fourth quarter, Towns, whatever. I get it. You're resting your guys for game three. You know, it's a blowout, you know. I thought the Rockets were crazy for playing James Harden as much as they did in a blowout. That, hap- that seems to happen so often where you're looking at coaches being like, why is this guy in? I forget who the announcer was, but he was like, Derrick Rose is in this building. You should- you've seen what happened to him playing in a blowout in a He's playoff a game. walking cautionary tale. That's right. Game two usage rate. Beal leads a 29% usage rate. Teague, 28. Wiggins, 26. Rose, 26. Butler and Towns at 19%. Got to gotta change those numbers. But speaking of game three and four, that brings us to our next point. He's on fire! Let's take a preview of what the games will be like this weekend. Playoff basketball back in Minneapolis. Uh, what do you think the atmosphere is going to be like? I think um, I think it will be a great atmosphere because that game three is going to be incredible because it's the return of playoff basketball. Saturday night game. Saturday night, night game. It's going to be wild. I, I feel like the Wolves will pull out the stops in terms of, you know, uh, you know giveaways or whatever it's going to be to make it special. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. I do wish that we could have, uh, I think you mentioned this, if we could have swapped game one and two, it would make the atmosphere even a little bit better. Yeah, um, yeah. If we if we, if we got blown come- out game one, we'd be like, oh, rats, this is going to be a sweep. This is kind of what we expected. The Rockets blew us out all the time in the regular season. Then game two, we lost by three points. We'd be like, hey, we got a shot here, you know? But instead, we lost by three points in game one, then got obliterated in game two. Yeah, so you don't the way feel that like happened in game two where, I mean, they were, Chris Paul was just like dancing all over us. And yeah, and it was they, just like, yeah, who's matching up against Chris Paul? We didn't have anyone who could. And the way him. that Towns got just completely taken out of the game was just is dispiriting. That's so the most demoralizing thing is Towns. Because yes. like he's our star. If he's not, to see him not even like 
it's not that he had like a bad game. He had a non-existent game. He had like a terrible game, like the worst game of his career almost in game two. He had like five points, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like one of the lowest scoring totals ever. defense in that first quarter. I will say that. Well, now oh, I'm glad you brought that back up because I said that I didn't watch it because of the recording error, but now I really want to see it. So Wolfscast listeners, some of you are savvy about where I can watch this online. Give me a link. I, want, I do want to watch the first half. So if any of our listeners have a way for me to watch that, let me know. I would appreciate that. Also, Game three, as long as we're talking to our, to our listeners directly, I got an extra ticket to game three. Neil bought two wow. tickets because uh, before the schedule was released, hoping that he could get one game in before he left on tour. And that's not the case. So I've got an extra ticket. I can't find any of my friends who want to take me up on it. So, Wolves guys, listeners, it's a $99. I know it's a little bit of pricey for a ticket, but it's row F of the lower bowl. What great, an opportunity, great seats. though. And you know you're going to get a free T-shirt. So, you, you know, that's like it's a $10 neat, value right Scott. there. Yeah, you get to hang out with me, uh, Row F. It, it's playoff basketball in Minneapolis for the first time in 14 years. It's going to be an electric environment. So if you're interested, hit me up on Twitter, on the Wolvescast Twitter, at Wolvescast, and we can get, figure something out. Yeah, negotiate, perhaps, or... Yeah, I'm excited. I think that the atmosphere will be great game three. I think we have the, – here's the silver lining of this blowout in game two is I'm like, you know what this does? This makes the Rockets feel very comfortable. And they're like, we're up 2-0. We're going to win the series, and they will win the series. But I also think the Wolves got embarrassed so bad that these guys have to have some pride in Game 3, where they say, we got punked in Game 2, so we really have to come into Game 3 with a great focus. Whereas I feel like the Rockets now up 2-0 and having a really decisive victory in Game 2 will come in unfocused. So I think if there is a chance to win a game in this series, I believe Game 3 is the game. I I agree with you. Uh, I definitely think Game 3 is going to be where... Uh, from an energy and emotional perspective where the Wolves will be perhaps at their highest and they have to take advantage of that. Um, they are, the Wolves were a, a really good home team. That's one thing that's not to yeah. be overlooked. Um, they weren't a great away team, um, especially against the East as we remember. Oh, but they were a great home team and that's something that they can maybe hang their hat on as they come back. It's like, hey, we got blown up, but hey, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna be a target center. It's gonna be a great environment. That's something that we can at least, you know, we'll get goosebumps, maybe even, you know, at the something, you know, get the juices yeah. flowing a little bit to, you know, what you they know, say. Have them play for some pride, you know. That oh, yeah. it didn't look like they. That I, second, I'm expecting that an game two really mu- left. I think it left a bad taste in their mouths, and they gotta. They got to kind of exercise those demons in game three and come out with a much better, more focused team effort. I'm expecting them to come out with that energy. I'm expecting the Rockets to be flat. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. Um, But we still got a shot. We just got to fight for it. All right. That brings us to our sponsor, recharging those playoff rates for this podcast, making that real money. Or pounds, as it were, for Neil. <laughs> Does Britain use euros, or do they use pounds? I think they still use pounds. They're they're Brexity. They're on their way out. Yeah. So, anyways, shillings, all that. We got to make that moolah, the bucks, the dinero, that money, dollar, dollar bills, American currency. Our sponsor this week is the Timberwolves Yearbook Committee. You all remember high school, right? You always had that yearbook staff taking photos all year long, and then at the very end. You get, this, you get this yearbook, you're like, wow, look at photos of me. Whoa. It was really Skip cool ahead. when we were in high school because it wasn't Facebook or anything. I remember it was just like, you know, you would get a handful of photos of you taking a year. And so to see them in the yearbook, you'd go take, through it all summer. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've been in the yearbook four times. There's a photo of me on the swim team. There's a photo of me in the band. I got a candid shot. You know, it was a big deal. I used to do the stupid stuff where I'd like highlight all my friends. In oh, the, sure. Like, or sometimes 
maybe an enemy or two. Mm. Put an X through their fi- through their little picture. One year I got in trouble because I, you know that's just me and being a contrarian my entire life. You I, no. I, I got in trouble because everyone was doing the yearbook signing and stuff, and I was just like, this is so super. I was like ninth grade, eighth grade maybe. So superficial new, and he's like, oh, I hope it's easy summer, you know, kind of inscription. So I wrote a two page like a, the front cover and the front page. I wrote a long, like, canned message to myself, like, Scott, I loved you so much this year. Wow. I wrote it full two pages, and my mom was angry at me, so I had to erase it, because I wrote it in an erasable yeah. pen. That was what I used all through high school, erasable pens. Erasable pens. I, at the end of the day, my pinky finger would be just all black from, like, rubbing the, uh, the ink on my pages. But that's neither here nor there. We're talking about the you Timberwolves. You the ink that was on your palm, though. That's right. Erasable pens, man. But, Underrated. Regardless. Great invention. But we're not here to advertise erasable pens. We're here to advertise the Timberwolves Yearbook Committee. They've been working all year to capture a season that you'll never forget, especially if you have it in yearbook form. Of course, like any yearbook, you're going to get photos and quotes from all the players. You know, stuff that, you know, some really great quotes this season. Like Jimmy Butler saying, Trey Jones is my man. (laughs) Or you can't duck with me. You can't buck with me. You can't beep with me. You know, we got quotes from Tibbs. That needs to improve. Is this yearbook quote? Do, do our job. We need to improve. Close do, the gap. Do your job. Yeah. Ice, ice. Uh, and we also all have, the favorites. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the yearbook quotes—they'll stay with you forever. <laughs> what do you think Andrew Wiggins' yearbook quote's going to be this year? Andrew Wiggins' yearbook quote. Gonna be, Gosh, good dog, Cassie. Yeah, good, good dog. Good dog. He has actually is, is like a senior photo of him with his dog in the picture. That's awesome. That's so heartwarming when you see him with his dog. Yeah, I've never seen him more open around human beings. That'd like be a senior photo. Would probably be with his dog. Yeah. Well, there's also most and likely awards. I'm pretty sure Andrew Wiggins is going to win uh, the most likely to get into a car accident while Snapchatting while driving. Yeah, award. that does bother me when he does that. Uh, he actually Andrew Wiggins award has already been announced this year. Best smile. Best smile. Oh yeah. We also have that mo- should be the uh, Corey Brewer, or, uh, the Corey Memorial, Brewer but- Best Smile Award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wes Johnson won it one year. It was great. <laughs> uh, most likely to be president. No surprise, Gorgie Jane. Not eligible because he wasn't born in the country, but still the most presidential of everyone on the team. Oh, he's he's quite presidential. He's he's regal almost. I agree. I would, he'd be a better president than our current one. Ooh, heavy politics on Wolves cast. You're getting you're getting the hot takes. Uh, most likely to burn out, Derek Rose. <laughs> Most likely to dunk off a trampoline crunch. First of all, likely to burn out. Yes. Derrick Rose. Well, this is... Yeah, you're right. He's already there. Most likely to be washed. Most likely to continue to burn out. Yeah, actually, it was going to be most likely to be washed, but Jamal Crawford already won it this year. Whoa! And, of course, you got the photos of all the club activities and sports. You know, just like there'd be like, this was a photo from Homecoming. We have this right. is a photo from the Taste of the Timberwolves. Mm. Here's some photos of Cat streaming Fortnite on Twitch. <laughs> and who could forget Jimmy Butler's Domino's game at the Super Bowl when he went to the Super Bowl and ended up playing Domino's with Aaron Brooks instead of watching the game. Of course, just like every yearbook, the signatures are a big deal. Every copy of the Timberwolves yearbook comes pre-signed with messages from every wolf. You know, white lies like, let's hang out this summer. Or inside jokes like, too many minutes, LOL. <laughs> so this year's yearbook is going to be one you're going to want to keep. It's the special playoff edition of the Timberwolves yearbook. Uh, this year, to celebrate full color photos, first time ever, full color photos in the yearbook. Order your copy today. You're going to want to make sure you have one on your bookshelf for all time. I definitely have reserved a spot on my bookshelf. All right, everybody. Now that we made that money, 
we got a, you know, it's a little cold here in Minnesota. It's been a cold week, you know, between Timberwolves losing playoff games and me having to shovel snow for the fifth time in April. Snow emergencies in April. Come on. There's no one better position to deliver you some cold takes. What's cooler than being cool? That's right, it's cold takes. It's a regular segment here on Wolf's Cast. It's easy to have, find hot takes. Everyone has to shout to be heard in this media landscape that we find ourselves in these days. You have to say stuff like, LeBron James isn't even one of the best 20 players in and basketball. you ever the contrarian. That's right. You know, I understand, you know, and so I have to, I have to, I'm the contrarian to the national media. I'm saying, I don't like these spicy takes. I understand you, you got to get those clicks. You're going to go the other direction. No, we got to, we tell it like it is here in Minnesota. You know what the, the spice, the statewide spice of Minnesota is? Like snow, isn't it? Mayonnaise. mayonnaise. That's what they've always oh. said. The spice of Minnesota is mayonnaise. We can't handle spice. Are you doing a snow joke there? Uh, but no, well, that would have been smarter. Yeah. But yes, mayonnaise is another good one. I mean, there snow and mayonnaise look kind of the same, anyways. Watered down. That's right. Snowy mayonnaise. So. Anyways, here in Minnesota, we just tell it like it is. We got a fresh batch of cold takes. We're each going to have a minute to talk about a different cold take, and I'm going to get us started. Please do. My first cold take is, we're not going to win this series. You know what? We were probably never going to win this series. The Rockets are one of the best team in the regular season. They might be the team that wins it all. They had one of the 25, 30 best uh, regular season records of all time. Uh, like I said, eight seed has only beat this one seed one time in history. That's the We Believe Warriors. And so it was very unlikely that we were ever going to win, and especially now that we're down 2-0. We're just not going to prevail in the series. I mean, there's a great shot. There's still a shot, like I said, you know, that we could make it interesting. A series doesn't start until you uh, win on the road, like I said. But at the same time, the Rockets have beaten us six times this season now, and we have prevailed zero times against them. And they're just a better team. And I don't think there's anything wrong with facing that fact. So they are a better team. But five years from now, we'll be the better team. So, um, you know, it's fun to cheer for the home team. I'm still hoping we'll get a win or two out of the series. But for me, it's it's just obvious that uh, we're not going to win the series. And that's, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. One thing I, I am going to have to correct you. Yes. Matumbo's Nuggets... Oh. As an eight seed beat the uh, beat the Sonics. He said no, no, no. Yeah. He said no, he, no, he no. The, and he held the ball down on the ground and the, the famous shot. But regardless, I'm you, glad to have that knowledge. Still, here. It's, still, it's a it's we're still a, a statistical we're anomaly, still really. So, all right, Robert, you have sixty seconds. My on the clock. first cold take. Guess what, folks? Tibbs is not going anywhere. Mm. Um, as much as you might want him to be gone because of the the. Just the, the confusing rotations, the like we were saying, the joyless style of play, um, the the sense that they could be better than they are, or they certain players haven't progressed as much. The way Guess he's been out coached in the series, the way that he's been out coached in the series, just been sort of out coached uh, at often times throughout the season. Um, guess what? Glenn Taylor is not going to eat that much money to get rid of uh, Tibbs, particularly after they had such a big turnaround from this year to last, uh, which is worth noting. 16-win improvement. Hate. Yep. 
and first you know, coach playoff since berth, which is a that's a big check button. That's a big uh, box to check. Is did you make the playoffs? Becomes the second person in Timberwolves history to record a winning season. <laughs> oh, to coach a winning season. Oh god. And you know, you did have some of his personnel moves did pan out. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, there's things that you're gonna that you're gonna be frustrated with 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 him, but. You have to face facts. He's not going anywhere for a long time. That's right, everybody. I'm seeing people on Reddit. When is does this mean that Tibbs is finally going to be fireball? Nope, not going to happen. All right, everybody. Here's my next cold take. We're probably going to re-sign Derrick Rose, and hopefully it's not for too much money. But I w- I wouldn't even be surprised if it was for a lot of money, like eight million dollars a year, something way more than he deserves. Um, you know, Thibodeau. At first, I said he wouldn't sign him, and he did. And then I was like, well, he's not going to get more minutes than Tyus, and now he is. And especially after that game one performance where he looked pretty good in game one, even though we knew it's not replicable and we saw in game two that he was a failure uh, trying to replicate that. I think that game one performance is enough to guarantee Rose will get a contract in the league next season. And because it seems like Tibbs is already kind of over the moon for this guy and is a little bit unrationable about uh, Derrick Rose, I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, I think it's going to happen. We will have Derrick Rose on the team again next season. Thibodeau wanted to sign him instead of Jeff Teague at the beginning of the, in the offseason, but got kind of talked down from that ledge. So I just think uh, Tom Thibodeau, as long as he's controlling the team, he's going to sign Derrick Rose. He'll be on the Timberwolves for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Man, I don't know what to say to that. Uh, it's disappointing. Uh, but Very. that's one of the things that, one of the biggest developments of the season is me losing complete faith in Tom Thibodeau. We were a very pro Tibbs podcast coming into the season. I was over the moon for Tibbs when we first hired him. Right, I was like, "Oh, this is this guy is is coveted by everyone else, and we got him. This is going to be great." And now, careful what you wish for. From the penthouse to the outhouse. All right, Robert, give me with your final cold take. My final cold take, um, and this is one I hope I'm wrong about, but I don't think it's going to be particularly controversial. Jamal Crawford will shoot below his age in percentage points Ooh. this series. Um, just to keep you up to date, Jamal Crawford, forever young, he is 38 years old. I uh, turned 38 pretty recently, I think. Um, game one, he shot four of 11. Okay. Game two, three of nine. Ooh, under his age. Total of 720, seven for 20, which is 35%. Mm. So he needs to have a solid, you know say two for five game mm. that would raise Even things that would up be better that would be quite that would be a 40 percent shooting night that would that would be a he nice doesn't turn 40 for another two years pre- yeah mm-hmm. yeah he's got he's got plenty of plenty of wiggle room there uh, or even like a, a a five for seven game would change or five wow. for a ten game would change it would make it would, you look it, stupid for this cold take yes it would but um, you're saying that's not going to happen the way that things have been going i mean anything can happen with him and Jim Pete has always said that you got to live with the ups and the downs with Jamal. Unfortunately, it's been quite a long doldrum for for quite a while now, especially defensively. But um, I do think that given the way that he's played and how uh, and how he's just been so cold and taking such tough shots, he's been colder than these takes. Yes, just ice cold, ta- ice cold shots and ice cold takes. All right, uh, this week. So for the rest of the series, like he has already, his shooting percentage will be lower than his age. <laughs> I don't think that's a spicy take. I think that's a nice cold take from you, Robert. All right, so those are, are our take. cold takes. It's warming up in Minnesota, so hopefully these takes will be warming up in the future. But now it's that time of the week for our weekly wolfies.
presenting your weekly wolfies. All right, Robert. Let's have a weekly wolfies. You probably have mm. a bunch of wolfies stored up in you. It's been so long since you gave a wolfie. You want to go ahead and get us started? I will definitely start things off. And uh, really, it's been tough to... I wanted to give it to a player given that it was the first first playoff berth, the first two playoff games in um, the Wolves uh, in their history in like 15 years or whatever it's been. Um, but I have to give it to someone else just because the play hasn't been exactly inspiring, and yeah. I'm not going to give it to Derek Rose. Nope. Um, I'm going to give my weekly Wolfly to one Kevin Harlan. All right. Who has always been probably my favorite play-by-play announcer uh, for any sport. Uh, but particularly for basketball, and God bless him for that game too, keeping the enthusiasm up. All the, I mean, it was a blowout in the second quarter, and it was an ugly game. But you know what? He was making things exciting. His he's got probably the best voice in Great sports, voice. and he knows his stuff, and he knows how to make a game exciting and to add something to the experience. Yeah, and you know, God bless Ben's, but. You know, Kevin Harlan's in a different different league. Googly, oogly, and, oogly, baby. And the idea that we had him for 82 games a year plus playoffs way back. We've been um, blessed. We've been was bl- not, blessed for broadcasting I was not games. listening. I was not a fan back when the Kevin Harlan era, unfortunately. I was a little bit too young, but I wish I would have been because he would have been alone. Uh, just, I mean, he's he's the Jim Pete of, uh, of like, play-by-play guys, Jim Pete's yeah. the... The, to have those, the two, analyst just to think play. of yeah. the, the the greatness that's go th- gone through that FSN studio is uh, is something something special. Um, especially, I uh, this is something I noticed. We talked about this earlier in the season. Kevin Harlan, I love him. Frustratingly, he refers to us as the T Wolves. It's the yeah. T Wolves, the T Wolves, the T Wolves, the T Wolves. All right, I, I like that Wolfie. That's a that's a great. I'm going to give Harlan a little bit of a pass on the T Wolves just because he has sure. the history. With yeah, the team. exactly. I mean, that used to be how they pushed the team. They used to want to be called that, but it was the now 90s. It's it was a different era. Or I like to say wolves. <laughs> Not even the correct pluralization. I I don't like wolves. I like wolves. Wolf. Wolves. Emphasis on the. F. Yeah, that's right. All right, everybody. My, it's good to get a positive one because I'm taking the role of Neil this week. I'm the guy behind the dials, which means that I have to come up with a negative wolfie. Neil's mm. been very negative in the last couple months with his wolfies. Uh, my negative wolfie goes to Jimmy Butler for uh, you know crunch time. Jimmy is not been a good experience lately. You know I got to respect Jimmy for everything he's done for this team. He's been vital to the culture. Been the most valuable player of the year for us, and I love how he takes over games. But in the last few minutes of a game it's been disaster timberwolves and this is according to jace fett frederick on twitter um actually i'm gonna go ahead and give you his twitter handle real quick because he deserves it he's a good follow actually jace frederick j-a-c-e fred Rick. check him out timberwolves now two of 18 from the field this season when tied or down three or less in the last 10 seconds those crunch time situations two of 18 jimmy butler in those situations is 0 for 12 we saw this happen, uh, you know, at the end of the Denver game where he mm-hmm. bricked that shot. If it wasn't for Taj Gibson stealing the ball from Nikola Jokic, we might not even be in the playoffs. We saw him do this in Brooklyn. I remember him taking a terrible last-minute shot, and we lost that game. And his shot in game one to tie the game, we're down by three. We have the shot. He takes a two-pointer, a terrible fadeaway two-pointer covered. And it's just like, man, I get it. You've got the ego. You have the right to take that shot of anyone. But maybe pass it. You're 0 of 12 this season. 
season in those clutch situations, and you're just killing us right now. So Jimmy Butler, sorry to give you a negative Wolfie, but this one's yours. Yeah, I've been very underwhelmed with not not just that, but just the overall like end of quarter um, kind of situations where they're having to run a play when the last you know they got ten seconds or something like that. It always seems like it's uh, just one on one contested uh, stuff, which is. Our favorite, our favorite sports writer, City Page's Best Sports Writer Award uh, this year in the Best of the Twin Cities Awards, Britt Robson, wrote about this earlier this year. He really had a great article breaking down the crunch time antics of Jimmy Butler and how it hurts the team and mm-hmm. suggests that maybe Wiggins should get the ball more. It's a great read. Mm-hmm. I'll put it in the show notes. And by I, I mean Neil, because even when he's overseas, he still edits this show and posts it. So... He, he's still he's still taking care of us. Yep. Hey Neil, you're listening from, to this right now from across the pond, still in control. I hope you're not too jet lagged listening to this, Neil. All right, well it's time for a game. We're going to keep it quick because we are running over time. I think a little bit. I said on Twitter this week, so if you follow Wolfscast, you already know what the game is. Uh, I want to say uh, rest in peace to Carl Castle. He was a announcer on this great public radio show you may have heard of. It's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. It's a weekly quiz show with a lot of comedy, talking about questions. About uh, They play a lot of games, uh, and I would be lying if I didn't say we stole a lot of their ideas. They're an inspiration for the, kind of the wacky, fun games that we come up with. And so the one that I most blatantly ripped off is Limerick Challenges. We've been doing Limerick <laughs> Challenges on this pod for the entirety of it. And those are Carl Castle's jam, you know. And so uh, I just want to say rest in peace to Carl Castle. He was a real influence on the show. And in his honor, we're going to be doing, of course, a Limerick Challenge tonight. I got three different Limericks for you, Robert. As always, I will read it. And then you will finish it for me, okay? You'll finish right. that last rhyme for me. Try my best. It's okay if you need to hear it again. Neil almost always needs to hear it again. All right, so first one. When Thibs arrived, we felt the end of our woes. How he became quickly despised, nobody knows. The honeymoon was short. You can hear him all over the court. It's safe to say for fans, the bloom is off the... Um... Can read it again? Read it again for me, quickly. When Thibs arrived, we felt the end of our woes. How he became quickly despised, nobody knows. The honeymoon was short. You can hear him all over the court. It's safe to say for fans, the bloom is off the... Rose. That's correct. Ding, ding, ding. That's correct. The bloom is off the rose. So yeah. So uh, It was almost so obvious that... I had to double check. It's uh, it's very appropriate considering the Derrick Rose situation as well, which is what, what was the final straw that broke the back of my faith in Dibs was Derrick Rose. Yes. So the bloom is truly off the rose for him. All right, next one, Robert. The Timberwolves made a 15-win leap. Actually, I think it was 16. I'm going to fix this. The Timberwolves made a 16-win leap, but these playoffs are making fans weep. But it would be nice one win would suffice to end this year with a gentleman's... Uh, gentlemen, one more time. Yeah, no problem. I, I like it when you ask me again because I feel like listeners, it gives them time to figure it out too. The Timberwolves made a 15 win leap, but these playoffs are making fans weep. But it would be nice, one win would suffice to end the year with a gentleman's. Gentleman's, um. Leap, weep, leap, weep, and, uh. Sweep? That's right, gentlemen. Sweep. 
in the NBA, uh, when you, uh, a playoff team wins, that term. oh yeah, if so if it's a four-one series, that's called a gentleman sweep because uh, the better team allowed you to win one at home. So that's I see. that's what in NBA terms is called a gentleman sweep. Oh, I like that. Okay, and that's what we're we're looking for. Maybe we can win two, but I really want to win one. Small Let's get that gentleman yeah. sweep. That's the goal at this point. Okay. All right. Final limerick. Wolves fans deserve many hugs. These losses will drive you to drugs. While it would be lame to lose every game, it's still better than being the... <laughs> being the Nugs. That's right. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Outside looking in. It's still better than being the Nugs, you know? As long, as much as we have some anguish over how we're performing in these playoffs, it's still better than missing the playoffs altogether. Check so the box. You made the playoffs. There's a little bit of a silver lining here. We're getting that experience. It's fun to watch these games, even if we're performing poorly. And so, you know, just a little bit of perspective for everyone out there. You'll Still always have the nugs. You know what? I keep the perspective of we'll always have game 82. That's right. A magical season. game. We talked about that last we week's pod. Ma- we had a moment. I'll always yeah, I'll always remember that game. It was it was magical. Always. So all right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. We will be back next week, of course, win or lose in the playoffs. Hopefully we'll still be having the Timberwolves team active, but we'll see how that goes. Um, we'll be back next week. Robert will be back next week. Neil will not. Um, if you want to go to a Timberwolves game with me, game three, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter, at WolvesCast. Uh, Robert, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, just want to say, keep the faith. Um, be good to one another. And uh, tune in again next week. It's going to be, I think we'll be way better next week. Yeah. You know, at least for me, i got to get the rust off a little bit. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to figure out the sound issues that we had this week, and (laughs) it's going to be way better next week. It's going to be unbelievable. All right. Great. Well, come to Darby's. uh, It's Darby's Pub and Grill. I host trivia every Tuesday, 6 p.m. Come on by. Say hi. Draw a basketball next to your team name for a podcast point. That's an extra point just for listening to the podcast. I went repeated every week if people weren't coming and doing it every week. So it's always good to see the fans in person. Um, you should have won best trivia host. I should have won best pages, trivia yeah. host. The city Rob. There's a City Pages team that plays every week at my trivia because it's in the same building as City Pages, and not yet. But we'll keep raising the word. It's all a bunch of fake news out there right now about their awards. But uh, uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Enjoy playoff basketball, regardless of how it goes. Enjoy the spring arriving all around us and enjoy uh, chips and fish fish and chips overseas Neil if you're listening Uh, thanks for listening we will see you all next week how about this we hear a lot of this even some people in Minnesota say Nemanja it's it's Nemanja Bielitsa it's not Bilchelica it's not Nemanja it's Nemanja Bielitsa people get it straight and this this is like this is number two on the list this one gets murdered all the time. It's not Gorgie Dang. It's Gorgie Jang, like Jenga. Okay? Oh, this is a public service announcement, by the way.